No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. What's happening, everybody? It's Michael Hellickson here with Club Wealth. I am so excited that we are on Club Wealth TV once again with my co-hosts, Brian Curtis and Mike Bjorkman, a couple of rock stars. You guys know them. For those of you that don't know them, Brian Curtis is a stud out of Bentonville, Arkansas. He's running a big team over there. Brian and his team are consistently doing between 30 and 40 transactions a month. He's also my partner in Club Wealth Expansion Services, which means we run expansion teams for big agents all over the country. Uh, You may have heard of their expansion team, but you may not realize that we're actually the engine behind it. And Brian's the guy that runs all that. Mike Bjorkman, of course, out of Santa Clarita, California. Mike Bjorkman uh, not only does a million and a half in GCI on his team, which, by the way, he's completely out of production on, has somebody else that runs his team now, Tammy. Shout out to Tammy. And uh, Mike also has an escrow company, has a property management company, and it's for uh, real estate offices as well, and uh, does very well on each one of those endeavors. So we're (laughs) super excited that uh, Mike and Brian are constantly here helping us out with Club Wealth TV. And today, we've got Christina I'm going to say freaking Griffin. Let me tell you, Christina <laughs> nice. Griffin from the Griffin Group is literally the number two Caldwell Banker agent worldwide. I mean, hey, that's saying something. This woman knows how to put transactions together, and she's going to be sharing with us today how she literally went from Lone Ranger, just her, just her doing stuff, to all of a sudden now she's got 40, or see, I'm sorry, 34 people on her team. And it sounds like we're on the verge of being over 40 people on the team. So super excited. Christina, welcome to Club Wealth TV. Thanks How are you? Having, great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Dude, super excited. So let's kick it off with this. I'm going to start off with the first question, and then we'll, I'm sure Mike and Brian will have a ton of questions for you. But let's start with this. Uh, what, when did you start selling real estate, and what, what got you interested in selling real estate, and how did you get that start? Um, my mother died and when I was nine of cancer and my dad died when I was 18 in a boating accident. So I had to take custody of my sister. She was 16 years old and my ex-husband had this brilliant idea. Your mom used to sell real estate. Why don't you? So, um, I foregone and gave up my scholarships, uh, to go to university of Florida. And, um, I've had my real estate license since I was 19 years old. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's crazy. I can't, I mean, yeah. what, a, what a lot of responsibility for a 19 year old kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it creates so, the freedom. It, it allowed me to be able to um, immediately be able to take care of her. So, okay. Well, you say immediately, I mean, most people that get into real estate today, they're, you know, they don't, they don't have instant success. So, I mean, here you came into real estate, 19 year old kid, got kids that you're responsible for. You had to take care of what happened there? I mean, how did you, how did you start? How did you start putting transactions together right away? I actually, um, until I was 21, I managed, uh, several large apartment communities. I had a owner that I interviewed with as a leasing position and she believed in me right away and said, I'm hiring you as my manager. 
And I did a full lease up and renovation on a 650 unit apartment community. And once that was fully rented um, and through the entire process, I just was ready to just do something new and went into real estate. Traditional. Wow. Guys, go ahead. I'm, I, I see. I see you guys are chomping at the bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally chomping at the bit. So, Christina, congratulations on your success, first of all. And um, one of the things I wanted to point out to America is that your success has definitely not gone to your head. Um, a couple questions. I got in the business when I was 19 years old as well. And one of the things that I found out really quick was uh, at that age, a lot of people that know you don't really uh, trust you as much because you're kind of new in the business. And I know the viewers that watch Club Wealth TV, a lot of them are newer. Uh, was there any particular uh, activities prospecting wise that were maybe your three favorite when you got in? Did you do open houses? Was it door knocking? Uh, was that property management Did that bring in a bunch of leads for you? Uh, can you describe a little bit about your first year or so in the business? Uh, so Absolutely. some of the other agents can understand that process? I actually, um, it, when I was 21, I had my daughter and immediately took a position for a local real estate investor who was uh, an owner of a small real estate firm. And he immediately told me to just take messages of the buyers calling in on his properties. Well, it, needless to say, that didn't take very long. I was converting the first time home buyers ended up selling all of his properties and putting those buyers into other properties. So my specialty for the first year, that my specialty for the first year was working with investors, helping them find great deals, and then putting the first time home buyers into the properties and helping them maximize their net. And uh, we still do that today. The investor market is is very strong in our area. Um, and there's some amazing first time home buyer programs like the Florida Bond and uh, Hardest Hit that uh, our team is heavy on marketing for. Okay, so I want to back up to Mike's earlier comment about being young and in the business and having credibility. Brian, how you were you were a little more mature than nineteen, I'm assuming, when you got in the business, right? <laughs> I was. I don't know if I was more mature. I don't know if that's the right term, but I was older. So <laughs> I think if I look back, I, w- I was about thirty. And uh, I, it's funny that you, you and I both keyed in on that because actually that'd be my question for you, Christina, and I'll take it just to the little bit different level. We actually have on our team right now, I've got a 25-year-old, a 26-year-old. My son just got licensed and he's 19. So I would love to hear your advice for young people who are out advising people who are 20, 30, 40 years older to them, you know, how you overcome that. And, you know, because th- I'm, I'm telling them they need to be uber professional and be you know, even more professional than I would expect it to be. But, you know, what were those things that you did that helped you overcome? Because those are going to be some objections that people are going to have. Well, finding a niche right away and being able to dominate the niche was what was um, something that helped me. Um, my first year, I believe I made about 75000 and then I made 100000 um, every year after and just kept growing and growing. But it was having that niche. So um, just getting really good at it. And mine was finding investors great deals. And that's still what I'm known for today. Um, No matter what age you are, an investor does not care if that nets them a great profit margin. They're going to love it. 
And then once you create that loyalty that you're amazing at finding them deals, then they're going to let you list the properties after they get fixed up and help put first time home buyers into the properties. So that was my niche at the time. But um, when I first got in the business, it was very big on, you know, the um, no money, you know, stated income. And it was very easy to get anybody into a, a amazing remodeled house. So I would run ads for first time home buyers and they, I found it's a huge, important decision for them, but first time home buyers, they're a little bit, um, if you have a, a professionalism when you're talking to them and you know what you're talking about, they're not going to scrutinize as much what your age is as well as investors. So, um, that has been huge for, we have a 22 year old agent on uh, our team as well. And, um, you know, she's fearless in door knocks. And, you know, so it, it really, I, if you have that confidence level and you create a niche early on, it's not going to matter what age you are. You know, I'm going to jump in it. on that too, Christine, because I, I think you're absolutely right. It comes down to confidence level, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was selling real estate, I, I got into real estate while I was in high school and was the top listing agent at my office before I graduated. Why? Because I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do what I was doing, right? I was out taking listings at 8 and 10%. I had no idea that that was unusual. I, it just seemed to make sense. I mean, geez, if I can just get them to pay me eight, I'd make more money, right? So why don't I just do that? <laughs> right? But, you know, I think you're really hitting the nail on the head. And I, I come back to Ben Affleck in the movie Boiler Room, right? Where he says, act as if. And I think, you know, a young kid coming into this business, oftentimes they act as if, because my golly, they're a teenager. They know better than everybody anyway, right? So it's... It's, it's kind of one of those things where confidence wins the day. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. I hope everybody that's listening to this, especially if you're new in the business, understand confidence overcomes a lot of challenges. You just have to make sure that you exude that confidence. Not arrogance, but borderline, like almost arrogance, right? <laughs> I got to think about Mike Bjorkman. Now, Mike, I'm not saying you're arrogant. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is that if you walk into a room, you own the room, right? You're confident. You've, you've got it. And I think that that nowadays, too many agents, when they walk into a room, they're timid. They walk in and they're like, wow, I hope I get this listing. And gosh, I don't know if I'm going to get this listing, but I'm going to give it my best shot. It's like, no, man, you need to walk in like you're going to get that listing every freaking time, no matter what. Christina, thoughts? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, and it helped for me at that age to control my environment. Uh, we used to rent... Um, We used to rent buses and load the investors on the buses and have a general contractor at the home and ask local bank-owned agents to allow us to um, show a mass group the property. Um, But I was controlling that environment. And I I was 23 years old with 100 investors on a bus. So, you know, but we had an amazing local contractor who now is one of my best friends today. Um, She was just dynamic and would be able to explain to them what to do with the home. And it it just, it resulted into lifelong relationships. Um, You know, heck, I, one of them, I, we're helping, he has over a hundred listings we're working on, you know, handling all the buyers. And I've sold him three to five houses a month for the last 10 years. So, you know, something like that and controlling your environment, like an open house, you're controlling your environment. They're coming to you. Uh, it, it's a 
I, at that age, it was just a lot easier for us to just feel good about it. And so let me ask you this. Okay. So you're killing it. Obviously you get into your early twenties. You've got a hundred agents or a hundred investors on a bus. That's sick. That's awesome. Question I have is at what point did you hire your first assistant? Cause you know, that's really the, 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 the kind of the two biggest stepping stones I think in an agent's career and, and the most challenging transition is going from tier one to tier two. And really that happens when you hire your first buyer, your first full-time assistant and your first two full-time buyers agents. So wh- when did that happen for you and how did that happen? Um, 24 when I hit a hundred thousand Um, I am one of those people that the teacher had to hand me back my papers after I wrote them in school. So, um, very bad handwriting and never slowed down enough to do paperwork. So I have always needed someone to kind of help operate me, you know, to control my paperwork and, um, keep me organized. So, um, I knew after I had three to five transactions going on a month that I needed help. That's huge. And so how did, so how did you go about hiring them? I mean, did you just hire somebody new? Did you get in the paper? Did you go, what what, what did you do? The first few, it was someone I knew, um, just a great friend I went to high school with and, you know, it was kind of a not temporary thing, kind of a transition. She was an organizational person who would handle my household bills as well as, um, anything that I had to deal with any transactions. And, um, the second one was actually my stepsister, which, uh, was awesome. Um, probably about a year and a half she worked for me and now she runs her, her own, uh, uh, big preservation um, type company. And then the rest have been through Craigslist or other hiring sources. Uh, my current assistant has been with me for seven years and uh, he's amazing. Okay. That's huge. Guys, I don't yeah. want to dominate all the questions. No, no, I think. Christina, the, it sounds to me like you're in a market that has always been investor driven. Is, is the market, can you describe the market where you're at and explain to us uh, why it's an investor area for so long through the years? Well, that's been my niche. Um, you know, there's obviously a, having a large team. We we have grown to so many different uh, areas that we work and specialize in. Uh, but Tampa is just amazing for hot deals. Um, you know, from uh, the turn of the market. I, um, in 2007 is when I started representing banks. Um, I did 150 transactions in 2007 and then over 200 in 2008. So when people were struggling, uh, we were, we actually had, it was the best times for us, uh, prior to growing a team. So it allowed me to be able to stay investor driven because we had a large amount of inventory available for them. So it's not like you live in an area that's, um, you know, going, it's just your niche. Okay, awesome. So when you look back to, uh, I know this question is going to come up. When you look back to 2007, uh, what do you recommend for other agents that want to get into working with investors? Because most of my agents, and I have close to 200 of them, they're worried to work with an investor because they feel the investor might be smarter than them sometimes. What do you recommend as far as training? What do you recommend as far as uh, prospecting techniques? How do you find these investors? And then... um, Let's get into a little bit about the banks. How did you start working with the banks? Well, we have local RIA groups here. 
So, which are investor type groups um, in their, most of the big metropolitan and probably small areas, they have them. So that's where the investors, they go and, you know, they get education and, um, you know, the wholesalers, they will sell their deals to other investors at these, at these events. So I, um, personally, the ones I work with, I only have about five I work with personally, um, and they... Most of them are licensed agents, which is crazy, uh, but they use me for everything. And it, we just created loyalty up front. But for the, my team, it's, you know, we require proof of funds right away. We let them know that we know the game, that if you're trying to double close a contract and your buyer doesn't perform, if you do not perform, we won't work with you anymore. So setting those expectations up front and, and making them know that you're not a novice, that you know how to, how to evaluate a property, you know what the repairs are, because a lot of our newer agents and a lot of agents in general They'll take an offer for an investor with a 10-day inspection period. Any great investor is going to know when they walk through that house. All of my investors have no inspection period. So they, they take a 10-day inspection offer, and then they, the investor comes back and says, oh, the roof needs to be replaced. I need it lower 10 grand when it's evident the roof needs to be replaced. So letting them know expectations up front that you know their BS and you know the game, um, they believe in you a little bit more is, is at least my luck. All right, so, I, so the couple, you're, you're hitting on a couple of things I want to know about. Number one, I love that as a young agent, you go out, you're working with investors, and that helps you get your career started. But I want to know, first and foremost, how are you finding the deals? How does this 19-year-old kid go out and start finding deals for these investors? Well, in our market, we had a heavy concentrated of bank properties. So mm -hmm. I had amazing relationships with some of the bank agents. Um, and my client would normally pay me directly back then where we had a commission agreement and we'd give them both ends of the commission, um, as well as notice of defaults, um, divorce, um, okay. you know, lots of different things. I get that. I want to. I want to know how did you build those relationships with those agents that had the bank-owned properties? You're 19 years old. First of all, for a 19-year-old to figure this out is because, like I'm still. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. My old business. Yeah, my old business partner was one of the top real estate investors in in Tampa. So he would. That's how I started. I was selling his rehabs. So he already had those relationships, but he didn't quite figure out that, you know, um, it's that relationship bonding, you know, you're friendly, you become friendly with them. We'd go out for dinner, drinks, and just get to know them. Um, but it was completely legit. They would, um, whenever one of our offers came through, um, when it, they started seeing him and I together as partners that allowed me instead of him singularly, they, they liked me a lot better. So they would call me with, with, the deals. So, um, you know, it just worked out really well. 
All right. And by the way, shout out to Tristan Ahamada. I see Tristan's on watching right now. It's good to see you, brother. Um, and uh, th- you guys, don't forget, type your questions for Christina into your screen, and into your we're, – we're looking at the questions right now in two different spots. We're in the Club Wealth Real Estate Agent Mastermind Group, and we're also following the questions on the Club Wealth uh, – it's uh, Michael Hellickson's Club Wealth Real Estate Coaching page is the name of it. Uh, so if you type your questions into either of those spots, we'll make sure that we uh, get Christina to answer those live for you. So, all right, Christina. So you've got you you you've got your assistant now, your first full time assistant. You're you're working with all these investors. You're still what twenty four years old. How do you go from a twenty four year old kid with one investor making about a hundred grand a year to all of a sudden now you've got you know almost, you know thirty four people on your team as of uh, this morning? Well, it's it was evolving. Um, I built I built the bank owned clients that I had, um, and the amount of leads that came through on those properties. I personally just it, it just I was dealing with the task and making sure you make the banks happy, and then all of the leads would go into our office, and our manager would have agents there that had floor duty to help. So um, I went to a seminar and, you know, it just, everything clicked. I didn't have a CRM. I wanted to take control of my business and I literally have just followed the blueprint to create a team since then, but it's been evolving. Um, it was, um, you know, I was very heavy on through the, um, all of the foreclosures. I sometimes at at the peak, I had about 385 assets at one time. Um, so in 2013, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer. That's when I went to the event. It was kind of that pivotal aha moment where you knew something had to change. I wasn't happy with just one assistant and myself, uh, and people around me that I liked, but it, it, there was no synergy. So I just, followed a blueprint to change that since, since now. Okay. Now oh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah. So Christina, let me ask you a question then. If you could go back to the day you hired that first assistant and kind of just moving forward, because again, most people on our call are not going to have 34 people on their team. <laughs> so I don't have 34, but I, I can tell you all kinds of stuff that I, that I messed up over the years and I, and I'm not trying to, but I think we learn a lot a lot from that. So as far as hiring your first assistant and maybe your first buyer's agent, as you, if you, you would change about that, are there things you say, oh my gosh, if I know this now, because that's where so many people are who are going to be listening to this call. They're thinking about hiring that assistant, hiring that buyer's agent. You know, what would you do differently? And what's that one piece of advice that you can give them as they move that direction? I would have slowed down. I would have had a CRM. I didn't even know what a CRM was in, until 2013. You know, um, the amount of transactions that I personally have sold have been several thousand. I have no drips, no follow-ups, you know, no touches and relationships that I built besides my investor relationships and the people that already know, like, and trust me. So I would have slowed down and took control of my business early on. Um, I, I didn't even it just was nothing I knew even existed and, um, you know, still, angers me today, but you know, it, it is what it is. So, but, uh, take control, get a CRM that, you know, it doesn't matter which one, just make sure you use it. We use Boomtown and, uh, we love it. It's very involved for a big mega team. And, um, you know, just every person you touch, 
put them into some type of system and touch them throughout the year. That's what I would have done differently. So that's awesome. Thank you. How often are you doing that? How often are you touching your clients throughout the year? Not enough. We're learning um, I, as coaching and, uh, you know, things evolve. So, um, after, you know, our goal is four times a year uh, after we sold them a property, you know, probably need to be doing it more. But, uh, you know, we have effective drips through Boomtown um, that are put in place um, that reminds us to call them, text them, email them, sends them videos and um, you know, different email follow-ups. So, you know, it's best to have a system because it, you know, we're very high with hundreds of leads that come in on a weekly basis. And, you know, you just have to make sure that you, you really truly love on everybody you touch. Awesome. Christina, I got a question for you. Um, so I've coached REO agents all over the country ever since the market got better. Did the market, did your REO market slow down to where your assets were almost down to nothing? Is that kind of the wake up call where you said, wow, I need to build a team and get into retail. And the reason I ask is there's so many of you out there um, that did amazing through the recession. And now, you know, I don't know your market well enough. Is it, was it, is it just something that came to you and you said, Hey, wow, this retail thing is a really good good idea because you are taking a big leap into club wealth and getting into the retail world. And you're mentioning things that, you know, REO agents don't ever say CRMs and, and touches <laughs> and drip campaigns. I mean, I've coached these guys <laughs> made millions of dollars a year and they never even knew what a CRM was like, kind of like you're saying. So it was, and, and now they have you know, no listings. That's, yeah, that's no, what happened in my market. No, so. They're working at Walmart now and they used to make yeah. millions of dollars a year. So that's what I like, saved real. from that. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Well, in 2013, when I, um, it, you know, went to the event and just, it was that pivotal, I need to develop a team. I was blessed to still, still have several hundred trans, um, uh, REOs at one time. So I have, now we are at our slowest because the market is changing and we have about 70 assets. Um, but I have definitely reinvented every single REO. We do aerials and professional photo photos. I'm the only one in the market that on a $60,000 HUD home does professional photos. So there's things that our asset managers are looking for now that they weren't looking for then. And it shows in my inventory versus our, my competitors that have three and four listings. You know, we, I send them all of our marketing and, and they love it. They Facebook analytics, everything. So, um, you know, I feel like me changing and evolving has allowed me to keep my current clients and add new ones. That's amazing. You know, I, Brandon, I need that clip edited out of this because, you know, that's what I try to tell the REO agents all the time. The asset managers are just like normal sellers. They want to know that you're working hard for them. But my question now is, are you getting retail listings from your area? Because people still think you're awesome and they don't know you're an REO agent. They just think you're a really kick butt agent uh, that controls a lot of the inventory. I mean, that's, that's got to be in a major, a major shift and a major accomplishment for you and your team. And it must feel really good to know you're um, diversified and no matter what the market is, whether it's up, down, stable, whatnot. Um, I think that's absolutely amazing that you're doing that. Well, when they go to Zillow, they see over 3000 solds and we have about 80 listings right now. When a seller's looking at it, they don't automatically think, oh, there's a 
bunch of bank owned properties in there. So what we're doing is um, when they need to sell their property, a, a condo community in, in our area, I've had about seven REOs but now all of the retail listings are coming in because they see professional photos. They don't see crappy photos on, uh, on our marketing and they call because we have low days on market because it's an REO and they normally sell quicker, but they, they see all of these things that make us look amazing. And, you know, I just push the service. I, the, um, traditional listings get serviced the same way. Uh, you know, barrios get serviced the same as the traditional and, uh, it's helping a lot. We're doing circle dialing and I uh, just listed, uh, the listing power tools where we're putting door hangers out, you know, there's no other REO agent that I'm aware of that's doing that. Not on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I know so, this question. Go ahead, Go ahead, Michael. Mike. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, <laughs> with with the amount of, I, I can't imagine, I mean, when I was into REO, the most assets I ever had was like 50. So that's a lot to me. And now you're still above at 70. So I can only imagine the amount of phone calls that you're fielding and the amount of listing opportunities on your team now. Are you doing any of the listings or is that all um, delegated out to your listing agents? Some of the listings I am doing, um, it, those are the ones that will only work with me. Uh, and we get a handful of them. I have four of them currently right now. But I do have six, six um, that are amazing at converting listings. And as my team grows and their success and their ability to convert listings grows, I bring them in and um, you know, we do partner. I like to have more than one of us on a listing when I'm involved because I am pulled in so many different directions. I don't want to mess up service level. Oh, great. All right, Michael, yeah. I'm sorry to hog it. I'm just fascinated by it. Her. <laughs> no, no, I mean, there's a lot of people that are watching today that are actually REO agents as well. But for, for those that aren't, there's there, in, whether you are an REO agent or you're not an REO agent, I think one of the one of the takeaways I'm getting from what you're saying, Christina, is, that, hey, look, um, you know, I didn't, I, I always market my properties the same. It doesn't matter if it's an REO or retail, traditional, doesn't matter if it's a short sale, doesn't matter what price point it's at. It could be 60,000, could be a hundred thousand, could be a million. I'm marketing my properties the way a property should be marketed, regardless of price point, regardless of disposition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because of that, you have a very consistent brand in the marketplace where people understand that, Hey, look, when Christina lists a property, you're getting first-class marketing. It's world-class mm -hmm. all the way or nothing at all. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that has a lot to do with your success. One of the other things, and 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 I'm fortunate, and I'll just I'll just call it what it is. I get to be Christina's coach now. I'm very excited about that. I've been your coach for a little while now, and and I, I do want to say shout out to to Tom Ferry, and and he had a big role in you getting where you're at. You had coached with him for a long time. Tell me about when you started coaching, whether it was Tom or with anybody else, and how that um, helped you grow your business. Because I know that you and I talked earlier about how big an impact that had on, on your ability to, to grow. You know, it's, it's having accountability. And if you are not 110% invested in coaching, don't waste your money. I, I wanted it. Everything I was told to do um, I followed for the most part, some things I'm a little stubborn in. <laughs> so, um, you know, just having that blueprint that, you know, when you look at, okay, you have seven buyer's agents, you should be put, putting this much into advertising, you know, as you, as you grow, being able to have a blueprint to tell you, because our brokerages don't tell us those things for the most part, they're not telling us, you know, you need to get a CRM or you need to have, you know, a marketing 
person that takes care of all your social media. So having a blueprint and being able to follow it um, has helped quite a bit. And I dive. So let's all talk about that. Okay, and that was really where I was going next. Is okay, so it's great. Uh, you know, we can give people a blueprint and and say, okay, here's exactly what you need to do, but it's not enough. You have to dive in all the way. You have to be absolutely completely engaged in that process and say, look, if that's what you know works and you say, I got to go do that, then I'm just, I'm going to go do it. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to come up with excuse after excuse. And I'm not going to blame it on the leads or I'm not going to blame it on, you know, my spouse or my whatever circumstances keeping people from success. You literally take responsibility on yourself and you say, look, okay, if that's what I need to do, I'm just going to go do it. And that brings me to my next question, which is, do you live by a perfect daily schedule or any at any point during this time? Because when you get to your level, you can be a little a little loosey-goosey with your schedule and it's not the end of the world, right? Because you've built all the team, you've done all the hard heavy lifting and, and you've gotten it to where you are. But during your growth period, during the time that you were building this team, did you live by some kind of a perfect daily schedule? I still do. Um, I'm very involved in my family. Every single night we're eating dinner together. Um, you know, so at six o'clock every morning. I am up and dressed and dropping my daughter off at the high school at seven 30 in the morning. And I start my day with a hot cup of black coffee at Starbucks for about an hour and a half. Um, I love the culture. It just, the atmosphere is so much better than an office. And, um, I do probably spend three to four hours a day at some random Starbucks, sometimes multiple times a day, but uh, I absolutely do. The quiet time in the morning helps for me. And, uh, now I schedule absolutely everything. Um, we actually, for the team bought ultimate planner, which is just for real estate agents. And it's helped things on, you know, an immense level. Good stuff. I love it. Hey, Christina. Ryan. So a couple of questions I have for you then. Um, I love that I'm hearing some accountability stuff for your team. Uh, I'm not sure what ultimate planner is, but I kind of get a grasp of what it might be. So one of the things I see as a real estate coach over and over and over again is what people struggle with, in my opinion, is leadership. Everybody wants to have a team because I have, I have a team, then I create more time for myself and everything gets easier and faster and stronger and leverage. But what I also don't see enough of is that we have leadership leadership. So if you don't mind, what are some, if you were had to tell someone who was building a team, what were the leadership things that you have to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that a lot of people probably don't think about? You know, first of all, I treat, I, I truly love and care for it, my team on a personal level and their success. And I've seen that most team leaders, they fail or it doesn't get to a level that they want as quick because they're just a buyer's agent to them. So I really, truly love every single one that I allow into our culture. And we have an incredible culture. The leadership I've had to learn the hard way, you know, because I am busy. So we have every single week, we have a certain day that I am in the office and we're focusing on some aspect. I always try and have it where I'm available at any time. And I try my best to answer every single phone call that comes through, but just supporting them and um, helping guide them in the right direction and helping them, you know, have all the tools available. Um, also my manager with uh, Coldwell Banker, Scott Humphreys, he's a huge help. Um, he's in the office 
all the time. So if they have a contract question or if they, you know, anything like the, a lot of teams I've seen, they have to hire a manager. I already have one. So he helps them, um, you know, with some of the daily issues that I don't need to get involved in. My job is to love on them, support them and help them focus and make more money. Gotcha. So are you doing daily morning huddles as, as we call them? Or are you doing anything like that? Well, um, my amazing coach. Mr. Hellickson for the, uh, the, um, this morning we worked out a game plan. So we are starting those on Monday, already put it in our team Facebook group. That's also helped our culture a lot. We have a Facebook group, so uh, it's private. If someone needs help with a showing or has a question, no matter the time they're posting in there. So we're going to start doing that every day. You know, and, and here's the thing that, that that team huddle, Brian, and I and I know why you're bringing this up because the team huddle really is a game changer and in terms of team culture, especially as you start to expand out. And Christine, I know you're starting to bring in buyers agents from areas that are a little bit further away from the home office. Yeah. And, you know, doing that team huddle on a daily basis not only helps your local folks, uh, but it helps everybody on your team to really feel like a full and complete part of the team. And that's important because the further you get spread out, the more difficult it is to maintain that culture that's gotten you where you are to begin with. Um, so I'm really glad to hear that you're going to be implementing that. I know several people on your team we've had conversations with, uh, have been very excited about that beginning. Uh, so, and by the way, Bjorkman, you guys and Brian, why don't you guys listen while we're on the topic of team huddle, tell everybody what that is and tell everybody what you guys are doing for your team huddles and how that's made a difference in your businesses. Go ahead, Brian. You're the master at the huddle. <laughs> I'm the master. Okay. Well, well. so for us, the team huddle is basically how we start our day. And I've, I've been listening to a lot of different stuff. I listen to read books and try and stay each, you know, it touched into what people are doing in other sales organizations. And for whatever reason, in real estate, we decided that, and I heard you say this indirectly, that you, you see this um, happen to Christina, is I hired a buyer's agent and I should just be collecting 50% of their check and they're just going to show up, you know, for closings and then I get a check and it's going to be great. But that's not what happens. So our daily huddles about a couple of things. I, I kind of make a joke. If anyone of my team's watching, uh, they already know me. They've heard me say this. The first thing is I know they're awake. And, you know, that sounds kind of agent. Call your real estate agent at nine o'clock in the morning. So at least a 50% chance you're going to get a hold of them. I'm kidding. But ultimately, you know, I'm pretty sure some of my people get up at 729. But I also know that some of them are ready and, and raring to go. Either way, we've got that accountability. The second thing is, I was talking to a, a client about this yesterday, is we know for sure yesterday and what they're going to do today. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but when we put it out there in the world that says, hey, I'm going to make 30 phone calls today, I'm going to make at least X number of contacts. I'm going to show X number of houses. It's it's an accountability. And when I say that out loud, it, it becomes twice as you know important to me and it becomes twice as important to everybody else. The other thing I love about that is if you're a guy who gets on the morning huddle and say, I made seven phone calls yesterday and then somebody else comes and said, I made 82. Well, you know, it's real hard to, to say that you're doing a great job and I wonder why that guy's doing better than me. Well, you know, it does take a rocket science to figure that out. The other thing I love is that unlike you, Christina, I don't have the availability and God bless you for doing it. But I tell people if it can wait to the morning huddle, call me then. Now, if it's a crisis, something's going on with our team, absolutely call me. I will find a way to make it happen. But, you know, I'm on the phone 
five to six hours a day in between clients and coaching and all the other things that we do, you're not going to be able to catch me 24 hours a day. It just doesn't happen. So when they know that in the morning that they've got me and the other thing they've got is our transaction coordinator. So instead of calling my transaction coordinator five, six, seven times a day, we handle that all in the morning. We know that task switch switching costs people 11 minutes every single time they, they task switch. Transaction coordinators are task sw- switching constantly. You know, Just by the nature of their business, we don't have to make them do it even more. So to me, that's what a morning huddle is all about. It's just to get the day started right and know that everyone's moving in the right direction. Yeah, right, I, I got to jump on that. Yeah. Task switching costs an average of 11 minutes. You guys, I really want everybody to hear that because that is a very big deal. Everybody says, oh, I multitask. Look, there's no such thing as multitasking. Quit saying it. It doesn't exist. It's, there's no such thing as multitasking. And every time you interrupt what you're doing to jump to the next task, it costs you 11 minutes. So quit. We, all these interruptions we're giving our teams, I'm speaking to every team leader out there and every member of a team. Every time you interrupt somebody else on the team, not only is it taking your time, it's taking 11 minutes of their time plus the actual number of minutes that you're talking about whatever the, the, the topic is. So to be able to have that conversation and be able to consistently tell them, hey, look, is there any reason why this can't wait until tomorrow's daily huddle? That's powerful, and that's going to make everybody more effective. Uh, so, Christina, I'm really looking forward to hearing your feedback on how it goes, and we know you're starting on Monday. Yes. So uh, I'm looking forward to big things out of your team when you start implementing a daily huddle. Mike, how about you? Talk to us about your huddles. You know, obviously, I'm not um, in the production anymore like Tammy is, and Tammy runs the daily huddles. But exactly what you guys said when I was involved day to day in the business, the clients and the agents alone were trained to call me. But now that Tammy's running that huddle and they do wait for the huddle, my transaction coordinator and Tammy uh, pretty much handle everything. They work through all their problems. So I'm at the point now where I'm like, is it, are we really slow? Is this too good to be true? Are things falling through the cracks? I mean, that daily huddle is actually working so well that I'm blown away. I, I honestly know that Tammy, if she's watching right now, probably is. She hates the daily huddle because it slows her day down. But, it, you know, reality is, is it, it helps all of our day. And these people really do wait uh, until the huddle and they actually don't bug me anymore because they know that during that daily huddle with all eight or 10 of them, whoever's on the call that day, they can get it handled. Um, and sometimes they even have the lender on the call so they can get that uh, handled as well with our escrow officer. So uh, I love that daily huddle, but I need to switch this real quick uh, back to interviewing Christina. Cause I don't, I don't want to forget all my questions that I have. I know Christina that you live by the beach and that's an area where I want to live and I'm going to come be your buyer's agent soon. Um, <laughs> specifically Clearwater, Florida is one of my favorite places on earth and then stretch of miles, you know, 10, 15, 20 miles down south of Clearwater. How much do you get into that beach property? How much do you get into the to the luxury side of things? Is that just too far from Tarpon Springs? Is that you're at Tarpon, right? I, I live in Trinity, which is about 10 minutes from Tarpon. Our office is in South Tampa, Hyde Park area. Okay, so you have to drive by luxury to get to work. Yes. So how much of that do you do? If you're doing the drone, you're doing the aerials, you're doing all the good marketing, uh, you have to be dealing with these investors that live in the luxury area. What part of your diversity, which is what I'm fascinated by, uh, is luxury or beach property right now? Um, because... Uh- large amount of our team is out of Hillsborough County in Tampa. Uh, Our luxury is more the South Tampa region, Bayshore, um, you know, not 
right on the beach. Uh, we are recruiting agents that are more in that area. I do actually get some Mario's, uh, foreclosures in that market. Um, but it's, it's, unfortunately, it's not a focus I'd love to get into. Um, we just are focusing on more luxury that is around, uh, our office. Gotcha. What is the luxury price range in there? 750, 800, something like that. Yeah. Um, we anywhere between like 500 and a million is a good, uh, the sweet spot's probably about 700. I do personally, uh, we do close a lot of on the beach condos, uh, but we haven't got into the single family houses. They, um, they have to be priced. There's a lot of competition. A lot of people are trying to sell them right now. The condos go super fast though, that are right on the beach. Why is there a lot of competition for that area right now? And, in the beach homes, is the market going down there or is it? No, they're just, they're, the inventory is a little higher in the high price properties. So they do sit on the market a little bit longer in our area. Interesting. Right, so you, cool. you just have to make sure it's priced marketed correctly. So, um, you know, it's definitely something we're transitioning to do more of, but our sweet spot's probably about five to 700,000 right now on our higher end. Gotcha. So you're going to listing agent boot camp, right? I am. So you're going to, gonna, so you're going to need to pay attention and learn a lot about that. I'm sure Michael has a luxury section planned or, uh, something similar to that, because that is, uh, as me looking from Los Angeles to you, I mean, man, what a great opportunity with all you have, all your resources, right. your team. I mean, I would, I would really take advantage of that. And well, because- one of, one of our team, uh, her name's Alexandra cash. Her, uh, father is a, um, NLB player. It was one and her brother. So uh, she's bringing a lot of those clients in and, you know, going on listing appointments with, with NFL players. So that's definitely a focus we'd like to get better and improve at. Yeah, I know. Vince, our well, friend over there, there is doing that. Yeah. So that works. Yeah. Well, and what we'll do, Christina, at some point, we'll, uh, we'll make sure we get you involved in one of our luxury masterminds. We'll want you to come out and, and uh, really do what we'll do is we'll do a mastermind with just agents that are focused on luxury listings and that are working with pro athletes, those types of things. Anybody that's watching this, if you're doing a lot of luxury uh, and you know, you're, you're at a level in your luxury business where you feel like you'd be a fit for a mastermind like that, like a, just a 25 agent, hyper-focused, everybody's doing luxury in that group uh, type mastermind, uh, reach out to us. You can comment on the thread here. We'll reach out to you and we'll put that together. That being said, um, in terms of listing agent bootcamp, I know you dropped that uh, there a second ago, Mike. Uh, listing agent bootcamp, for those of you that aren't already signed up for it, just know it is almost sold out. We've literally got like eight seats left. Uh, and so if you don't get signed up in the next day or two, it ain't going to happen for you. You're going to have to just uh, you know read about it on Facebook and wish you were there. Uh, and no, we're not going to be live streaming it or anything like that. So uh, if you want the info, you got to get there. And I'm telling you, we're sharing some lead sources at that thing that we've never publicly shared before that are killing it for several of our agents. Uh, and so you're going to want to be there for that. If you And so to check that out, go to clubwealth.com forward slash listing agent bootcamp. Again, it's clubwealth.com forward slash listing agent bootcamp. Now, Christina, what I want to know from you is talk to us about lead sources that you're using that are non-REO. What are some lead sources you're having good success with? You know, stuff that, that, that people can implement right now. So a lot of REO agents and a lot of agents in general, they don't realize that their, their solds don't feed into Zillow. So we, we manually feed all of our solds in there and have a very just strong profile. So we spend a great deal of money on uh, Zillow. We have Boomtown um, and we do tons of social media. 
Okay, so talk to us about Boomtown for a second. We, you know, we're we we do a lot of talking about Commissions Inc. We love Commissions Inc. Boomtown's a great platform as well. Um, so, what does it cost you guys to be on Boomtown? And well, you're you're a big team, so you're going to probably be paying a lot more than most. But um, you know, what do you know about their pricing, and what does it do for you? Like, what do you get out of Boomtown? So, I believe the platform starts at fifteen hundred, and then you have to add ad spend on it. Um, we do have lender help and participation as well, which uh, you know is great. Uh, what Boomtown does for us is each agent has their own website, so it's first name dot the Griffin Group dot net. Um, it is a website that when you click on the website, after about thirty seconds, you have to put in your contact info, so it captures everybody, um, as well as on on Facebook, we're able to share like our properties on Facebook. And it tracks all the analytics. So if they click on the property through Facebook and sign up, we know that that it was from that campaign. Um, the it's um, the drips are their behavioral analytic drips. So mm-hmm. b- based upon their activity on the drip, if they've been on our website within a certain amount of days, they get a certain email. If not, they get another one. So it flows based upon their behavior, which I like quite a bit. And uh, it's just very user-friendly. It's a great CRM platform. Okay. So what's the one thing you would say if somebody's not using Boomtown, maybe they can't afford a Boomtown yet. So how can they get something similar or so, how can they get the same kind of traction that you're getting? Cause you're using Boomtown a lot for your social media as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so how can people that aren't ready to buy that yet, how can they get traction on, on social media and, and get actual leads, not just, you know, engagement with people saying, yeah, that's a great, you know, picture of your kid's birthday. How do we get real business out of Facebook? Well, you know, I feel like a lot of um, agents that I've that I speak to, when you don't have a website that captures the data after the person clicks on the link from Boomtown uh, or Commissions Inc. or any other platform, so I would just make sure whatever. Um, whatever site or CRM or link that you have does that capture feature where you can capture their uh, information and you see how many people, well, you can see how many people click, but you actually are capturing their data and you're able to call them right away. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar with a lot of, yeah, I'm not familiar with a lot of the other programs. We used top producer before, um, but you know, I've heard a lot of good things about other programs. So you'd be better well, at that. That's interesting. That you, so you started off with top producer, by the way, I did too. I used it for 15 years and had great success with it. Um, shout out to those guys. And by the way, anybody that wants to give top producer a look, uh, it's topproducerdeal.com. You can get it for, for not a lot. It's like 30 bucks a month. It's cheap. Um, but so you use that to get started then, and then transitioned into, uh, Boomtown. And Boomtown. Yep. About yeah. a year and a half ago. What about recruiting? What are you doing to recruit? So believe it or not, I don't really recruit on a heavy level. They come to me. Um, I am involved in a lot of realtor groups. Um, there's one here called become a better agent. It's a local title company every month. Uh, he offers an educational type event for other agents to come in and learn and just being there, adding value, uh, engaging on local Facebook groups and, and just sharing and not being afraid to share it. People come in there. It's like, you know, we recruit, you know, a top producer and, you know, people, they pay attention to that and they, they look at what are you doing and, you know, tell me about it. Okay. 
Mike, you look like you're getting ready to say something. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, we have a really hard time recruiting here. So, if we're going to have 30 agents, um, what do you what do you promise the agents on your team? What do you if you say if you come join the Griffin Group, what what am I going to get? Um. So we offer. Um, coaching tools. We offer Boomtown. We offer, you know, from Vulcan to Z Buyer to um, it leads, but they have to be involved. They have to take the Boomtown training. We do daily accountability. So we, uh, you know, we just spell out all of our tools, our culture, our support. We have a full-time marketing coordinator and um, the leads are a privilege. So if they don't do the daily accountability and they are actually call, text, email, drip campaigns in Boomtown, they don't get the leads or we pause the leads. So um, I really think it's our culture and everything that, you know, the, the business and, um, the large amount of leads, you know, that, that's, that attracts them in and the culture keeps them staying. All right. That's awesome. So we're at that 10 minute mark, Michael, it's time to ask for some audience participation. You guys have, you know, the number two Cobalt banker agent in the country on the, on the line. You might want to type in some questions, anything about REO, anything about investors, anything about um, whatever you want to know us with how to do hundreds of deals a year. But while we're waiting for some questions to be typed in, Christina, can you tell me a little bit about your marketing coordinator? I mean, with a team like that and that many listings, what exactly, what does your marketing team consist of? I mean, that must be two, three full-time people banging out. No, it's, we yeah. have, one, we have one. Um, we're blessed with Coldwell Banker. We get a lot of um, marketing support. Um, Mina is amazing. He is all of our social media. Um, he does, all of our uh, business cards and uh, flyers for open houses, and uh, we use listing power tools. I love I love them. It's a huge pack of you know ama- just goodies for each house that the team gets to uh, go and put door hangers and um, flyers and business cards and everything that are property specific. Um, so uh, you know as we have grown, we do need additional, uh, support. Uh, but Mina's just a rock star and he, he handles it all right now. Yeah, Mike, awesome. He's a smart guy. Go ahead. Sorry, Mike. Yes. No, that's just it. We have a, you know, our team is only half the size of yours and we have so many, uh, issues with marketing. It's ridiculous. Can you explain listing power tools a little bit more? And, and are you telling me your team is actually going out and hanging door hangers and not just waiting for boomtown leads to fall into their laps? Correct. Um, What kind of magic potion do you feed these people? So I actually, um, I've, I have some, my kids are in high school. So I have a few high school kids that, um, some of the properties, they will populate the neighborhoods. Uh, but listing power tools, it's $39.95 for this huge box full of, uh, door hangers and like, there's so much stuff in there that honestly we run out of places to put them. Like we will populate a Publix parking lot with these little business card sizes of the house. And it's one, it's a text number that they get the information uh, about the property and we capture their data. So it's, but it's great. It, it, we bring it into listings with us and um, I, you know, so it's, it's just a great resource and it, it looks professional and they're getting ready to launch. They're more personalized. Now it's yellow and black, the yellow, you know, I think it's the eye traction, why we get a lot of calls with it, but they're, they're going to have like 10 colors and more customized features here soon. 
Hmm. Sounds like an affiliate for listing uh, boot camp. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to have that conversation with uh, LPT. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, so it's pretty the powerful and it's helped us. Yeah, well, and, and so moving to a slightly different topic, one of the questions I have for you is, what's next? What's what's your plan in the next? Where does where does the Griffin Group go from here? I mean, geez, you've already got you know thirty four people on your team. You're going to be over forty people here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Tell us where are you going next? Um, I'd like to expand there. Uh, our market, we're in Tampa, but there's a lot of surrounding counties that overlap. So um, I'd like to expand and bring people that are going to help and contribute to our culture, so we can also support the surrounding counties and. I want to be the real estate team that's involved in things like, you know, more local, um, grassroots, um, involved in our community. I do a lot of personally, tons of charity work and, you know, just give back to our community and love on our community and, uh, just support them as much as we can. And, um, you know, be the one on the back of a, you know, little league t-shirt instead of, you know, sponsoring maybe a major uh, sports team, you know, just being more grassroots. Love it. That's, uh, geez. I mean, let's, let's, let's be real here. And, and agents, the agents watching this, write this down. Diversity is the very most important thing in real estate. And we have somebody online today that doesn't have to do all this stuff. So if we look back and pay attention, she's actually talked about several different things. She has an investor niche. She has an REO niche. She's using social media. She's using technology. She's buying leads. And now she's heavily involved in the community. You cannot find a more diversified market plan than that. That market plan right there is a, a nonstop growth path. That is a, the most diversified path for everlasting through any market, um, building all kinds of other income streams from that. I mean, you, Christina, I got to take my hat off and just wave it at you. I mean, you're doing the right stuff. And, and, and I had to point that out because agents, these are the things that really matter. The social media, the community involvement, the REO, the, you know, the investors, and it's just amazing. Yeah, some some just, of our some of our team they represent builders. Uh, you know, we're we're very diversified in many different levels as well. Um, we also have eleven different languages. In addition, four. <laughs> in addition, four of them speak Spanish. So we have fifteen people on our team that are bilingual as well. Man, well, Christina, that's that's absolutely amazing. Um, but let me say this, and and I love what Mike said, but I can tell you that there's probably people out there going, I didn't even know there was you know eleven different languages, let alone employing eleven different people who can be bilingual on my team. So the one thing I heard as we as you went through this is you're doing all of these things, but it feels to me like, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have mastery in a lot of different things. But I don't know how old you are, and I'm not going to ask. But you've been doing this since you were 19, so it's it's not 37. like, okay. So, you know, so that's a lot of years to be doing real estate. And what I mean by that is you didn't wake up one day and become the master of REO, the master of, you know, you did one thing at a time, you got really good at it and moved on to the next. And so for all those people who are out there looking and going, I can never do what Christina does. She didn't do it in a day. She didn't do it in an hour. She didn't do it I don't, in a year. I don't so. go to bed until it's done. I, I really... <laughs> 
I, there, there's been days I fell asleep on my computer doing BPOs. So I, you know, you, if you have the desire inside you to be successful, um, whether you're a team leader or, you know, single agent or with a team, you just have to set a plan and a blueprint. Coaching's helped me do that and, and not go to bed until you accomplish your goals every day. That's awesome. One of the questions, you know, speaking of coaching, Christine, I'm, I'm curious, why Club Wealth? Why did, why did you make the switch to Club Wealth? This is a big question I think a lot of people are asking. I know when you made the move, there was a big rumbling in the community, and a lot of people wanted to know, why did you move to Club Wealth? Um, my team and the, the level I believe that we're at, I wanted someone that actually sold more properties than I have. And um, having the support at, at 10 o'clock at night, I can text my coach or Facebook and, you know, I get responses and um, having, you know, it, I just, I almost feel like I hired a team of people, like, um, I don't know, almost a manager of me and our, our team to, to help and support us. So it's not just coaching for 30 minutes and you check in and then they don't talk to you in between. It's, it's just ongoing support. So um, it's been great so far. That's awesome. Good stuff. We, right. we got a couple of questions before we have to end this. Um, there's, there's been several people that have asked, Christina, what percentage, uh, what's the percentage wheel of your business, REO versus uh, short sales versus retail? What does that look like? REO is about 30% right now. Short sales, probably about 10 to 15 and the rest is traditional. Okay. So that is a very healthy wheel. Perfect. So you guys listening, don't try to get all caught up in REO because any more than 30%, your, your business is definitely going to fluctuate too much as the market changes. That's awesome. Um, and then there's another question here. Dana asks, how many hours a day does a team make calls? Good question. Yeah, good question. You know what? I'm probably a little bit um, too flexible on that. Um, I require them (laughs) to uh, call all the leads that they're given. And, um, you know, we have accountability with that. But, um, you know, I'd say it's hard to maybe an hour or so a day that that I know of. So we'll get better at that as we evolve. (laughs) But right now, what I require is them to actually make sure that the leads that we provide them are called back. And depending on the agent, they're getting probably between two and six leads a day. <laughs> That's a pretty good problem to have, right, guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have so, so many leads well, that I'm just desperate to know they're calling them back. Too. You start working on that team huddle on a regular basis, you're going to see a lot of that change and transition into people are going to be making more calls. They're going to be held, held accountable at a higher level, and they're going to like it, right? It's not going to be this, you know, I'm going to keep you under my thumb thing. It's going to be more of a, look, hey, how can we help? And, and, and we're, like Mike said earlier, you know, they're going to hear about, you know, somebody else is making 85 calls a day, and they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, if he can do it, I can do it, right? Yep. Um, and so I'm excited about that. So let's do this. We've got to wrap up. We're on the hour. So here's what we're going to do. I want to get final parting thoughts from each one of you. We're going to start with Brian uh, and uh, just give us your, your you know, what are your biggest takeaways from the call today with Christina? Uh, and we're going to go each one of you. Brian, go ahead. I think my biggest takeaway is that you can have whatever you want. And, you know, when I look at what Christina's built, it's absolutely amazing. And it's not about just doing one thing. And, you know, you just do the one thing and you do the next thing, you do the next thing, and you can build an amazing business. And I love this word. I heard you say it no less than 10 times, culture. So um, we're big about that too. And culture is everything when you're building any sort of organization. And I think it's absolutely amazing for all those people out there who are building a team, start with your 
culture first, because if you don't have a great culture, none of the, none of the rest of it matters. So thanks so much, Christina. Thank you. Love it. Mike. Well, gosh, it'd take me an hour to do my final thoughts, but I, I, I want to tag on what he said. I have so many agents that come to me and say, I just don't have the resources. I just don't have whatever. And you're living proof that any agent can be super successful. You know, I came from tomato soup and stealing beers out of my friend's garages when I was 18, trying to get into this business. And I know it works, but it's so nice and so refreshing to hear other people's stories. And, you know, I commend you. And then I guess the, the my biggest, second biggest takeaway is man diversity is where it's at guys if there's somebody to watch and follow on facebook and you know everybody listening if you're not part of club wealth it's very nice to be around people like christine i was got to be with her in anaheim for quite a long time and spend some time and just the people and the culture that we've created in club wealth is absolutely amazing so i invite all you guys to join that culture and christina thank you so much and i definitely will see you in florida uh, very soon that'd be great love it Love it. All right. And then uh, my biggest takeaway, and actually tons of takeaways, but one of my reminders is it doesn't matter how old you are in this business, you guys, you can be successful. So the key is don't let your age, don't let your situation, don't let anything about your world cause you to, to have an excuse not to succeed. You can succeed regardless of your station in life. And Christina, you are absolutely living proof that you can start at a very, very young age, be instantly successful or be very quickly successful and carry that success on through the, uh, through the years. Uh, by the way, Brandon, we've got a little bit of a background noise. I'm not sure whose microphone that's on, but if you could uh, isolate that and mute that out. So Christina, parting thoughts from you, but as we wrap up. You know, love on your team. Don't make it all about you. Support them, provide them the tools um, and the things that they need to be successful. And if you are there and you're sincere and you really, truly want them to just succeed, it's going to reflect in the community and people are going to be attracted to you buyers, sellers and agents. Yeah. And, and you can't have it all. I've got three kids and an awesome husband. And, you know, it's, I always tell everyone it, it's God, um, my husband, my family and my team. That's awesome. Good so thanks for having me. Well, everybody, thank you very, very much, Christina. We really appreciate you coming on with us today and taking your time out of your day to share all this great information with us. Uh, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you, Christina, how would we get a hold of you? Facebook is wonderful. Um, I have an open profile. So Christina Griffin on Facebook, our um, Facebook uh, for our team, if you'd like to see how some of our marketing is, is Griffin Group uh, and uh, the griffingroup.net. Um, if you call me, please text me because I have an answering service. They pick up after three rings and a lot of gatekeepers. So 813-389-1847. I love it. Fantastic. Thank you very, very much. You guys reach out to Christina. Thank you all for being on Club Wealth TV today. I see we got a lot of people that are watching and uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get this uh, out uh, as a replay as well. We'll post it on the Facebook group and we'll post it on the Club Wealth uh, Real Estate uh, Coaching and Consulting page. So for, for everybody here on uh, Club Wealth TV, my name is Michael Hellickson, one of the coaches of Club Wealth. We appreciate you being here. Remember, you are world class. 